And it's good to be in church tonight. I hope you're excited to be here. If you'll turn in the book of Proverbs tonight is where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to kind of get back to our study last Wednesday night. We kind of diverted from it a little bit and uh, more so preached to you or at least tried to preach to you or at you or with you or preach to myself or whatever you want to call it. But we tried to do our best. And uh, But we're going to get back to our study tonight about the book of Proverbs. And so we, we said that Proverbs is a wonderful book. It's an instructional book. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and somebody has even recommended that uh, maybe you want to add it to your Bible reading where you read one chapter of the book of Proverbs each day. So if you're, if today's November 11th, you'd be on chapter number 11. Tomorrow's November 12th, you'd read chapter number 12, and then when you get to the end of the month, you just kind of restart, and you say, well, why would that be so profitable? Well, Proverbs is a book of instruction. Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and we said that uh, uh, Proverbs was written by Solomon. And Solomon, we know, as he was known as the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, he, he, God came to him and said, hey, I'm going to give you one, one wish. What's your desire? And he said, I want wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. He was a very wise man. He asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him. And uh, he was a very prosperous king. He's known as the wisest man that ever lived. And he's writing to his son. Does anybody remember what his son's name was? Good, awesome. His son's, Rehoboam was his son. So Solomon is writing to Rehoboam, his son. And Solomon ended up uh, passing on the kingdom to Rehoboam. And opposite of his father, we are not told in Scripture where Rehoboam asked for wisdom. So we see where Solomon, he asked for wisdom, but Rehoboam, his son, did not. And we know the story about how when he became king, he went to the younger folks and asked for advice, and he went to the older folks and asked for advice. And what he ended up doing, he ended up following the advice of the younger folks, and that ended up getting him a lot of trouble. And I would encourage us, maybe we need to get around some of the uh, veteran Christians, folks that have been serving the Lord a long time, and maybe pick their brain and learn some things and learn how to maybe raise children or do this or do that, but the father is telling his son how to live. You know, I think within all of us as parents, there's a God-given desire to try to see our kids grow up and serve the Lord and do right. And so we see what the book of Proverbs, the word Proverbs is actually two words. You have the word pro, which just simply means for, and then you have the word verba or verb, which just means words. So the book of Proverbs is for words. And you'll remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how Solomon was trying to instill some words into Rehoboam real quickly, just by way of review. We went through some of those words. We talked about how they can be a guide for us as parents, and they can be a guide for us in our Christian life to simply live the Christian life in this day. We gave you that first word. The first word was our walk. We need to be careful about our walk. Solomon says, hey, Rehoboam, I want you to guard your walk. I want you to watch where you go. I want you to watch what you do. I want you to watch who you hang around. So we need to watch our walk. Then number two, we need to be careful about wisdom. The Bible says throughout the book of Proverbs, 196 times in the book of Proverbs, it refers to the word wisdom. And what did we say wisdom was? Wisdom is simply discernment or being able to discern between good and bad, or maybe between a good thing and the best thing. You know, sometimes in our Christian life, we might settle for a good thing, but maybe it's not the best thing. 
For instance, maybe just put it down right on the bottom level. Maybe there's a, a young man, and there might be a girl that he really likes and kind of has his eye on, and she might be a good girl, but do you want a good girl or do you want the, the best girl? Do you want the best one for your life? You want God's perfect will for your life. And so we need to have wisdom. And then number three, we need to watch our words. All of us could do a little better with our words. May we guard our words. The Bible talks about it in the book of James and how the tongue is just a little fire and yet it can set on nature the course of fire. It's just a little thing. But boy, we need to watch our words. How many times have we let our words get in front of what we're thinking and just, boy, we just spout off and maybe we say something to an employee or we say something to to an employer or we say something to a friend or maybe to a spouse or maybe to a child and we think, why did I say that? So we need to watch our words throughout the book of Proverbs, we see the words, words referred to, whether it's by mouth or by word or words or by the use of the word lip or lips or tongue or speech. 163 different times Solomon's writing to Rehoboam. He says, hey, watch your words. So we want to watch our walk, our wisdom, our words. And then also he talked to Rehoboam about this crucial, crucial subject, the subject of women. And he says in uh, in Proverbs 5 through 7, it talks about the strange woman. Proverbs 31, it talks about the virtuous woman. And Solomon is talking to Rehoboam, and he says, Hey, son, you don't want the strange woman. You want a virtuous woman. He, he talks to him about that. Then number 5, he talks to him about wine. You know, throughout the book of Proverbs, we're told even one time, I remember one time I was talking with somebody about the subject of alcohol. And they were trying to, you know, kind of reason it away and, and then I just brought up the verse, and it just came to my mind, and I thought, I, thought, I asked the person, I said, well, what do you, how do you handle a scripture verse where it says that we're not even to look upon it? If we're not even to look upon it, you think we're supposed to be consuming it? And so we, we need to be careful about that. Wine. And I've seen people get trapped in that, and boy, it's just, it, can be a, it can be a snag on people, and just you can see a life ruined by it, and so we need to watch out for that. We need to train our children to, to not be around it. So number five, the word wine. Then number six, the word wealth. Solomon's talking to Rehoboam, and he's talking about wealth. Eighty-two different times the subject of money is mentioned. He said, I want you to be careful about that. And we said a few weeks ago, we said it's not wrong to have money, but don't let money have you. You know, so many times we can get trapped by this thing of money. I won't call the person's name, but not too long ago I was riding in a vehicle with somebody and we got, in this, we got on the topic of this and, and they began to talk about how they just let it consume them and it was all about that. And I've talked to numerous people like that. Boy, we've got to watch that got to watch that. So number seven, this thing of work. Solomon's talking to his son. He says, hey, son, I don't want you to be a, a sluggard. I want you to work. So we talked about that a few weeks ago. We talked about the words. Then in the following week, we talked about the subject of inconsistency. If you'll remember, we talked about how inconsistency does not bring or result in consistency. And we talked about the three prohibitions for a king. We looked at a king, and there were three prohibitions, if you'll remember. We talked about how a king wasn't supposed to multiply horses, and they surely were not supposed to grab horses out of Egypt. And what did Rehoboam, or what did Solomon do? Solomon broke that commandment. He, he went against what the prohibition for the king was. And then the second prohibition, it was, you can't multiply wise. And we all know Solomon, he, he, he went against that big time. 700 wives, 
300 concubines. And so he went against that. So Prohibition 1, he broke. Prohibition 2, he broke. Prohibition 3, it says that you, he wasn't supposed to greatly multiply wealth. And we know Solomon goofed up in that, and he went against that, and he got much riches. So what was the result? Solomon, he's, he's writing this book of Proverbs, but Rehoboam's looking back at his dad, and he says, I, I know what you wrote, but I also know how you lived. Look what it says in 2 Chronicles 12 and verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook, here's what he's talking about, Rehoboam, he says he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. What a testimony. They're saying, hey, Rehoboam forsook the law of the Lord. He went against what he was supposed to do. And we kind of raise the question, how could a boy be such a rebel? How could he go against a, a, a man that was wise and had wisdom and wrote the book of Proverbs? We brought about maybe, maybe the reason was because inconsistency does not bring about consistency. Maybe he was raised with a father that invested instruction and teaching into his life. He gave him 31 chapters. The whole book of Proverbs, most of it was written by Solomon. But how could, how could uh, he be such an evil king and take the entire nation down with him? Perhaps it was because his dad was not consistent. His dad maybe was inconsistent. You know, he told his son, hey, I want you to avoid strange women. But he didn't do that. He told his son to be careful about riches. But he disobeyed the prohibition. You know, I can't explain it. You might take a family. You, maybe they've got four kids. And the kids grow up and they're all raised in the same church. They're all raised in the same Sunday school. They all have the same Sunday school teachers. And, and they go off to college. And maybe three turn out. And boy, they're just loving the Lord and doing right. And you take one. And maybe that one kind of goes haywire and goes off and does his own thing and rebels. I, we, we can't point the finger to the parent in that situation. Every child, every young adult, they've got a free will. They've got to decide what they're going to do on their own. I can't explain all that, but I do believe it is nearly impossible to raise a consistent child if all that child sees is inconsistency in the parent. Boy, that's humbling to me as a parent. Boy, what does my son see? What does my daughter see? Do they see consistency? Do they see the same dad that stands up on, the, uh, up on the platform and sings, oh, how I love Jesus? Is that the same dad they see at home? Boy, there needs to be consistency. That you that sit in the pew and you come and you wear a shirt and you wear a tie or maybe you wear a dress to church and, and you know how to play the part, but are you the same at home as you are here? Boy, that's convicting to me. You know, we might say, boy, we might tell our kids how important church is. And then over the summer months, we're nowhere to be found. You know what you're telling your child? You're telling your child, church is really not that important. And they're going to see that. Your, your, your actions are going to speak louder than your words. Or we tell our children, now, child, you know, the Ephesians says, be kind ye one to another. And then we're harsh towards our children. And we berate them, or we belittle them, or we, we berate our spouse. We're harsh with our spouse, or we're uh, uh, harsh with, with those around us. Our kids are watching that. You know, that will not produce consistency. Our children are watching more of us than they are listening to us. And yes, they're to listen to us, but they're watching us. The father knew how to write it. He knew how to write the book of Proverbs, but he didn't live what he wrote 
And so the, those were some of the lessons we went over. Now I want to get into the new part. We want to talk about how the book of Proverbs is a book of contrasts. It'll contrast wealth and the results of wealth. It'll contrast the work versus maybe the lack of work. It'll contrast a father and a son. It'll, it'll contrast right versus wrong. It will contrast good versus bad. It'll, it'll contrast work versus laziness. It'll contrast a wise person versus a fool. But I think maybe the main contrast in the book of Proverbs is a simple person versus a prudent person. We're going to look at just this one tonight, and we're going to look, if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs. We're going to jump around to some scriptures. We're going to kind of do a little bit of a Bible study tonight, and uh, I, I, I'll preach from time to time, but I think this is the direction the Lord would have me to go tonight. And uh, so we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. Solomon's writing to his boy, and he classifies one group of people as simple. And that's not a derogatory term. We're going to define that here in the next little bit. But if you look at the book of Proverbs, it talks about simple people. You know, Brother Allen, he's our youth director, and, and preachers asked him to head up our youth. And, and when he has those meetings, like for instance, last Wednesday, they had a meeting together. And you know what's going on is Brother Allen and Miss Jennifer, they're working with simple people. And like I say, that's not a derogatory term. They're not stupid people. Some of those teens are really probably smarter in some areas uh, than I would be. And that's probably not setting the bar real high, but some of them are smarter than I am. I remember a few weeks ago, one of the uh, kids in the school had to come into the office for some. Boy, he started rattling off, you know, YouTube channel this and subscriptions this and, you know, doing all this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm thinking, man, this kid's a genius. So I'm not talking about them being stupid, but they are simple uh, young people. What's the definition of the word simple? Simple just means simply one who doesn't exercise good sense. And all of you that have teenagers would probably say amen to that. You know, sometimes teenagers don't exercise good sense, and that's not to degrade them. I remember when I was a teen, I didn't do some good things that exercised good sense. Uh, you know, you take, for instance, a teenager. They might get together with a group of guys, and they get in the car, and next thing you know, they're, they're peeling rubber down the street, and they're doing some foolish things. And, and maybe it's not necessarily rebellious, but it's just acts of simplicity. They're not exercising good sense. Or I wrote this definition down. What's the word simple mean? It means seducible or to be easily seduced or to be brought in. So somebody that's simple can be easily seduced. They're easily brought in. They're easily uh, taken in by something or, or they, they seduce others. You know, parents, this is why we must know at all times who our children's friends are. Not because they are stupid, or not because they're rebellious, but because they are simple. I used the illustration a few weeks ago how I, when I was a young boy, uh, there was somebody that started befriending us, and he was a single older man, and make a long story short, it ended up not turning good. But luckily, my mom had enough discernment in that situation to pull me out of that. Us parents, we need to be on the lookout and not allow our children to be seduced. You know, the devil wants to seduce them. Friends want to seduce them. The media wants to seduce them. Music wants to seduce them and just suck them in and pull them in. I knew of a dear man of God. He's since passed away, but I knew of a dear man of God who talked about his son, how his son kind of went wayward, and he pointed it back. 
And whether or not this was actually the case, I have no idea. But he pointed it back to a certain week where he went to a Christian camp. And I said a Christian camp. He went to a Christian camp and met somebody. Uh, and friends started influencing him and getting him off the track of being doing right. That's why we need to be on the lookout. We need to be watchful of who our kids are around. Let's look at what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 4, if you'll turn there. The Bible says to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Then look down at verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 22. It says, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity. So Solomon is trying to get our attention. He says, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Then a few chapters later, we know in chapters 5 through 7, it talks about uh, the harlot woman and uh, how she, she wears certain attire, and she's loud, and she's stubborn. Then you get to chapter 7, turn over to chapter 7 and verses number 7 through 8. The Bible says, and beheld among the simple ones... I discerned among the youth a young man void of understanding. So it's talking about somebody that's simple. They're, they're, they're void of understanding. Then verse number 8, it says, Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. That's an interesting little phrase. So it's talking about the simple. Verse number 8, it says, Passing through the street near her corner. So uh, Solomon's writing, he says, I want you to be careful about strange women. He says, but this person is simple. They're passing through the street. You know, a simple person thinks they can touch that fire and not get really hurt or not get burnt. You know, how many times in our life do we, do we tell ourselves, we might not verbally do it, but in our mind we tell ourselves, well, we can hang around people that are not devoted Christians and that's not going to affect us. Or we might tell ourselves, well, we can watch things on TV or see things on the Internet, and that's not going to affect us. You know, we think we can get up close, but this person, they want to pass through the street near her corner. So it says the simple person thinks, well, I can just walk around this lady who is a strange woman. It's not really going to affect me. And next thing you know, this man's getting burned. It, or sometimes we think we can, we can listen to that music that doesn't honor God, and it, it won't affect me. I put this statement down, an old, old saying, if you lie down with the dogs, you will get up with the fleas. I want to encourage each and every one of us, may we guard our associations. May we guard our media. Boy, I don't know about you, but just even sometimes it may not be sinful media, but it affects our spirit. I don't know how you've been over the last couple of weeks. I've tried to distance myself from it a little bit as far as just watching the news. I mean, I got consumed with it, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with staying up to date and all that. But, boy, I just kind of had to tell, my, tell myself I need to step away because, uh, you know, I'm going to get discouraged. Why? Because I was around it all the time. So if we lie down with the dogs, we will come up with the fleas. Then I also put down nearness is likeness. You know, you've heard the old statement, you show me your friends and I sh I'll show you who you're going to be. You know, who we are is going to affect us or who we're around is going to affect us. May we grasp that. Every young person, may we grasp that. Who we are around is going to affect you. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect me. We need to guard who we're around. Teenagers, I want to encourage you. Are you around other teenagers that have a desire to serve the Lord? I'm talking even in a Christian school, you have to watch who you are around. Who, who, who are you allowing to influence you? 
We need to watch that. Verse number 8, it says, passing through the street corner. You know, for instance, take, take this for example. If you're a person, and maybe there might be somebody like that in here, we all have our besetting sins. We all have that one sin that trips us up. So I'm not here to try to be pious or anything like that. But let's say, for instance, your besetting sin, and you, would, you, would, uh, you know that, but maybe your besetting sin is just simply struggling with alcohol. Why would you want to go to the grocery store and tempt yourself and walk straight through the beer aisle? or the alcohol out. You're just setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to be thinking about maybe how, how you know, in your mind, how good maybe it tastes or whatever, and, and, uh, whatever. But why would you want to set yourself up for that? We need to be wise. We need to be so wise. Look at Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 5. It says, O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. We need to, the Bible says, oh, simple ones, understand wisdom, seek wisdom. We need God's wisdom in our life. We need it. We need it with our children. We need it with our work. We need it with our service to the Lord. We need wisdom when we, when we go to try to witness to somebody. I mean, there's scores of different times that we need wisdom in our life. Look at Proverbs 9 and verse number 4. Proverbs 9 and verse number 4. You're listening so well tonight. It says, Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. Where are we supposed to turn in? Well, if you look back at verse number 1, it says, Wisdom hath builded her house. Solomon's saying, Hey, whoso is simple, let him turn in. He's, he's telling us, Get back to seeking wisdom. Then look at Proverbs 9 and verse number 13. It says, A foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, and knoweth nothing. That is an interesting little phrase that says a foolish woman. Notice it doesn't say a foolish child. It doesn't say a foolish teenager. It doesn't say a foolish young person. But it says a, a foolish woman. That means a man can be foolish, a grown man, a grown lady. We can be foolish. You know, we can actually be a member of a good independent Baptist church like this, and we can still be foolish. We cannot be, we can be simple. We can be simple regarding the things of Christ. Look at Proverbs 9 and verse number 16. It says, whoso is simple, let him turn in hither, and it's for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him. It says, whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. Where's the hither talking about here? It's talking about the lady here. The, for she sitteth at the door, verse number 14. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city. So you know what? We can be a member of a good independent Baptist church and we can be seduced by things, by people, by sin. We can easily be seduced. Look at Proverbs chapter 14 and verse, skip over a few pages. Proverbs 14 and verse number 15, the Bible says, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. Look down at verse number 18, Proverbs 14 and verse 18. It says, The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The simple inherit fool of folly. You know, if we're easily persuaded to do wrong, then we can get around that crowd. We, we need to get around the crowd that wants to do right. You know, if you know you're weak in an area, get around somebody that maybe is strong in that area. Get around a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or somebody that you know is strong in that area. Pick their brain. You know, can you help me with this? We need to seek wisdom. Look down at Proverbs chapter 27, 
verse number 12. I'm going to skip a few scriptures, sound guys. Proverbs 27 and verse 12, it says, uh, verse, let me get there myself. Proverbs 27 and verse number 12, it says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, it's possible to be an adult and be simple, always getting sucked in. And then we're next thing you know, we're blaming somebody else and we make poor decisions. If we're simple, we are easily seduced. Let me challenge you tonight. Let me challenge myself. May we identify an area or maybe even plural areas where we are simple. You know, statement, we are going to be around simple and prudent people throughout our life. You know, I don't know, I'm sure you've, you've had this happen to you before. Maybe you're, you're somewhere and you start talking with somebody that you don't know anything about. And next thing you know, about two minutes later, you've kind of sized them up in your mind. Y'all have done that. I've done that before. And in your mind, you've kind of sized them up whether or not maybe they're a God-fearing Christian or not. Or maybe they're, you don't come out and say, oh, that person's simple or that person's wise. But you're, you're, you're doing that. You know, in our life, we're going to be around simple people. We're going to be around prudent people. Let's look at some verses. So we kind of looked about simple people. Let's look at some verses about a prudent person. Proverbs 12 and verse number 16. Proverbs 12 and verse number 16. It says, uh, Proverbs 12, yes. It says, a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. A prudent man covereth Shame. That's why sometimes, you know, uh, we might know of stories where somebody slipped up and fallen. We don't publish that. Why? Because a prudent man, we, we want to, not that we're in the business of covering sin, but we don't want to expose things. You know, we should be, you know, a prudent person is not going to want to go and just talk about everybody else's sin. A prudent man wants to get down their knees and pray for that person and pray, Lord, would you help them? I know of a situation where somebody is struggling. Lord, help that person. We need to be prudent about situations, not be simple. A simple person will just go, well, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about how they messed up? A simple person wants to blab it. I think of that verse, I think it's Joshua, where it speaks about publishing it not. We're supposed to not publish other people's sin. A prudent person will want to just cover that and pray for them. A simple person a person can be, you know, I wrote this down, a person can be intelligent, can be a great employee, can be a great manager, know a lot about computers and, te and technology, but can still be simple. Maybe they don't exercise good sense or they're easily seduced. You know, a, a simple person might want to compromise the pulpit. They'll want to compromise and say, well, you know, maybe preaching's really not that important. That's the speech of a simple person. Or maybe there's a, somebody that would want to compromise into no longer being a biblical Baptist. You know, maybe they're paying attention to some preacher on social media. They're paying attention to some radio evangelist that doesn't agree with what we as a church believe and what we believe the Bible teaches. We need to have wisdom. We need to be prudent. You know, a new Christian can be simple. A struggling Christian can be simple. But even sometimes a veteran Christian, we can slip back into being simple and not easily, we can be easily seduced. We need to have wisdom. Turn over to Proverbs 14 and verse number 15, if you would. The Bible says, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. You know, a prudent man looks well to your, your going. Do you evaluate your life? Do you see, okay, here's my life, 
Here's where I want it to go. I want to look well to my going. How am I going to get from point A to point B? I'm going to have to look well to it. I'm going to have to make sure there's no rocks in the road that are going to get me derailed or there's no nails that are going to give me a flat tire. I need to be prudent in my life. I wrote down, what's, what's a summary of the Christian life? In your Christian life, here's a summary. Here's a summary of our Christian life, fellas, if you'll put that up. Is it not up there? There we go. Here's the Christian life in a nutshell. We're supposed to be going from being simple to prudent. We're supposed to move from being simple and getting wisdom, getting more wisdom, getting, being prudent, being, being watchful, being circumspectful, and just being on the lookout. You know, we need to be the prudent Christian. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter number 15, Proverbs 15 and verse number 5, it says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. The Bible says a fool despiseth his father's instruction. I don't know about you, but it seems like nowadays people do, cannot take correction. We, uh, we coached uh, Brother Placido, the Spanish pastor, and myself, and his son, Brother Daniel. We all coached soccer, and it just seems like kids nowadays cannot take correction. And I, we try to tell them, look, we're trying to do this for your good. We're trying to help you. But it just seems like they don't want to be told anything about what to do and how to improve. But you know what? Sometimes that creeps into our life where we think, huh. Who are they to tell me what to do? And I'm not saying we need to go around and tell everybody what to do and all that, but sometimes there might be a friend that they want to give you correction and they're trying to help you. Boy, praise the Lord for a friend that will be bold enough to just, hey, I see something. I'm concerned about you. Let's take that. The Bible says that the, the he that regardeth reproof is prudent. So we need to be prudent in our life. Look over to Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 12 again. A prudent man looketh well to his going. Proverbs 27 and verse number 12. We're almost done. You're doing well. Proverbs 27, verse number 12. We just read it. But it says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. A prudent man foreseeth evil. You know, how many times maybe in your life you've seen something, you just can see it coming. Maybe you can see that teenager getting yoked up with so-and-so, and you think, boy, that is not going to end well. Or you see that person get, maybe that, that uh, fellow friend in the church get linked up with somebody, you think, boy, that is not going to go well. You know, why does a pastor guard the music of the church? Why? Because they can see the direction that it can take us. Why does a pastor worry about the style or a type of the song? Because they want to guard the road that we travel as a church, and music is so important. Uh, I heard this illustration, and I think it's, it's probably true. Uh, a few of you, I think, are tellers in this church. But if you were to take a teller who works at a bank, you know they handle money all day long. And they don't necessarily take a class, from what I'm told, they don't necessarily take a class on handling phony money or, or identifying phony money or fake money. You know what they're told? They're told, just keep dealing with the real stuff. And when the, something fake comes along, you'll be able to spot, spot it just like that. You know what, if we have wisdom, you know, with time comes experience. If we exercise wisdom and we want to be prudent, when something comes along that doesn't quite match up with the Bible or doesn't quite match up with Christianity, we'll be able to identify that real quick. 
Why does our pastor have master clubs? It's to teach the simple. We want the simple ones to become prudent. Why do we have a youth department? Because we want the simple ones, maybe the ones that may not exercise good sense, we want them to grow up and exercise good sense and become prudent. I'm glad that there has been prudent people in my life. This is a kind of a funny illustration. We'll close up here in just a minute. But I remember as a young boy, a teenager, I was probably 12 or 13, and uh, we, had, we had youth rallies every so often. You know, every two or three months, we'd get several churches together, and we'd have a big youth rally, and we'd, we'd have Bible, uh, books of the Bible contests. Maybe some, anybody ever do any of those? Maybe some of you. And uh, boy, what we normally would do is we'd have one of the youth speak and, and preach before the main preacher preached. And uh, would you imagine I was picked to preach, and I was probably only 12 or 13. I was scared to death. I mean, nervous as all get out. And so Tuesday's coming along, Wednesday's coming along. The youth rally was to be on Saturday. And so Wednesday's coming along, and I put my little message together and everything, and then Thursday came along, Friday came along, just nervous, nervous, had it on my mind. I did not want to do it. I remember my youth director talking to me about doing it, and I, I was trying to fight him on it, and I said, okay, okay. Saturday came along. I think the youth rally was at 1 o'clock. I was probably to preach about 1.30 or so. 12.45, Mark is nowhere to be found. 12.50, Mark is nowhere to be found. 12.55, Mark is nowhere to be found. 1 o'clock, Mark is nowhere to be found. Make a long story short, I didn't show. I was so scared. But you know what? I'm glad for a youth director that immediately that after that service was over, probably because he was embarrassed, but uh, I didn't show. But you know what he did? He took the time. He drove over to my house. He talked to me, pulled me outside, and we talked. And he kind of walked me through all that. You know what? I'm glad for a prudent person in my life that took time for me. We, you know, the, the older Christians, we should teach the younger Christians. If we're not careful, we stay simple our entire, entire life. I'm going to close with this illustration and then make an application and we'll go to the house. But uh, years, years ago, probably about 24 years ago or so, there was a, a pastor in another state and he had a, a daughter who was dating somebody, actually was dating a friend of mine. And uh, they were dating and they were leading down. I think they were both seniors and moving into Bible college and they were fixing to get married. Well, the, the girl just didn't have peace about it. And so she broke it off with my friend and this friend later, later became my best man and I was his best man in the wedding and everything. They ended up getting married, but this girl just did not have peace about it. So she broke it off and about two or three months later, she kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it and she was torn about what to do. Is this God's will for my life? And so she went to her bedroom and she called her dad, who was a pastor of a good church, and called her dad in and began to talk to him. And, and basically what she did was she said, Dad, I really love this man, and uh, I, I think this is the Lord's will, and I, I'd like to go ahead and maybe get back to dating him and eventually marry him. What do you think? And she was just real earnest about it. And she said, Dad... Give me wisdom. What? And she sought her dad's counsel. She said, Dad, if you for any reason do not want me to go ahead and proceed with this guy, I will not do it. And you know what she was doing? She was being prudent. 
She was being wise. She was just saying, hey, I know my dad's a lot wiser. She went to her dad and said, if there's any reason you don't want me to marry this person, tell me now. You know what she was doing? She was being wise. I want to encourage you young people in here, go to your parents for wisdom. They've got way more wisdom than you think. Maybe even young adults, those of you that may be in college, or maybe even you young married couples, or maybe you middle-aged couples, seek somebody out that's wiser than you. Maybe seek somebody, if if you're going through maybe a marriage issue, seek somebody that's been married for 45, 50 years. Pick their brain. You know what? You might find out that your problems are not unique. Maybe they're, they're common to most marriages. May we seek wisdom. May we be prudent. How about you tonight? Has the Lord spoken to you in an area maybe where you're simple? Maybe you're prudent in a bunch of areas, but maybe you've got one area that you're simple in. Maybe that you can be easily seduced and you know that area trips you up. Seek wisdom. Get around somebody prudent. Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe you're, you're simple in that area. You're easily seduced or you're easily, you easily give in or maybe it's immorality or maybe it's alcohol or maybe it's this thing of witnessing. Maybe it's something like that. You, you want to witness, but you're simple. You just don't know how to do it. Maybe seek somebody that's a soul winner. Maybe find out somebody like a brother Baker who has a burden for souls or other men or other ladies that have a burden for souls. Seek somebody out. Maybe you're Bible reading. You have a desire, but every day goes by and boom, you're not reading your Bible. You're not reading. Or maybe prayer life or maybe worldliness or maybe just resisting temptation. Seek somebody out. So we see through the book of Proverbs, there's the simple and there's the prudent. It's a biblical contrast. May we in our Christian life go from being simple and move into being a prudent Christian. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening so well.